You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is going to be huge. 360 in the contract, never that. I just take the contact, I'll bring it back. I'm running on the fast break, behind the back. Yeah, this, that, this, that, this, that. Dirk with the Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, the editor of Smoking Cuban and writer at Mavs.com. Have your tears dried yet, Isaac? Shut up, Nick. You weren't supposed to start the whole dang podcast talking about this bullcrap. <laughs> I was ready to ask you about your break and everything, like waiting for you to ask me the question of like, hey, what you got for me, Isaac? Nah, you had to start with that bullcrap stuff, man. I just, I just Isaac, Isaac Harris, Isaac Harris, the co-host of this podcast, a known UNC fan. They go down tonight. He and Harrison Barnes probably had a uh, a cry to themselves. Tonight. Listen, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's when you have like I'm a bigger Tar Heel fan than like a Mavericks fan. Probably bigger than a Ravens fan. Um, that's a lot. I'm a huge Ravens fan, but Tar Heels just mean so much to me and. Like when a normal Tar Heel, Tar Heel team gets beat, it's like, oh man, that sucks, like heartbroken. But this team had two, like, two of our guys, Joel Berry, Theo Pinson. Like, two of your unpaid guys. Shut up. We, like, I've been rooting for those guys for a while. Like, those are the dudes. And like, not every program. Well, I don't want to go down this whole spill. Like how Carolina like recruits different. Like we're not. Like Kentucky, the one and dones, all this stuff. Like we had, we have these guys that are awesome college players, but you know they're not they don't always translate. So like Joel Berry probably won't get drafted. You know the Tyler Hansbrough's, Luke May, like Justin Jackson's our you know like Bryce Johnson's nothing right now. And Ooh, so it's like shots. I love him. I wish Mavericks could give him a chance next year. But anyway, it's just Joel Berry and Theo Benson. Those are like some of my favorite tiles ever. And if they're seniors, I hate to see them go like that. Like they just mean so much and. I hope Theo Pinson can be a Maverick in the second round. Really bad. Interesting. Interesting. So Isaac is uh he, he's he's recovering right now. Uh so hopefully he won't go down any more UNC rabbit trails because yeah. Today was just it was the worst matchup ever because our biggest weakness is obviously our front court in Texas AM. Their front our, court's awesome. They're really good at coming from behind. <sighs> yeah, Robert Williams, man. I mean He's a lottery prospect for a reason. Yeah, he could have been top ten, top twelve pick last year. Came back and the dude's just—he's a monster. They were and swatting everything at the rim. They were, yeah, and I mean they just—they had their way. They played the perfect game for him. So, so on this podcast, we do try to talk all Mavericks. However, we we still we run into weeks like this where it's uh it's a little slower on on the news side. And not as many games, so we will talk about some uh, some draft stuff for sure this week. We will be getting into our top ten uh, boards again for the Mavericks. We'll get into that probably tomorrow or the next day. Uh, we'll also talk about the two weekend pods that Isaac did this weekend with Jonathan Charks and with Jamil Warney. If you haven't checked those out, go ahead and do it right now. Really, really good stuff. I really enjoyed the Jamil Warney pod uh, with him talking about you know Collinsworth and talking about the uh, the team and what Coach McKinnon means to him from the legends and what this whole two years has been like for him. It was just a really, really good interview, so good job on that. Today, what we are going to be getting into is our three takeaways so far from the NCAA tournament. 
it's we're pretty much two rounds in. We're, we're two rounds in at this point. We're recording on a Sunday night and, from a uh, prospect type point of view. Right, right. We're we're not taking like complete NCAA. What is you know who's going to win all that stuff at this point? UNBC. Yeah, we, <laughs> we don't really care. I do care about them though. That was that was such a great moment and such a great night for them. Uh, if you guys have been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that I just took last week off. I just needed uh, kind of a break from everything. That Kevin Love article really did um, speak to me, and I talked about that last Friday show, I think. And uh, it just it spoke to me. It, you know, I needed to just take a break from everything. I needed to reset and come back, and uh, and I'm good now. I'm back. There's not not that there was anything wrong with me or anything, but you know, sometimes you just need to reset. Uh, my wife was on spring break, and so I just decided to spend some time with her, and uh, you know, I'm just. You know, take advantage of that time. <laughs> we missed you. I felt I felt lonely without you. Did you cry more over me being gone or UNC losing tonight? Oh, UNC. <laughs> <laughs> no, we did miss you. Or you know, I say we, but I missed you last week. It was cool, uh, cool getting you back, knowing that the captain of our Locked On Mavericks ship is returning and he's back. Without an accent, and Nick Nick got my countless text of, all right. So where do I put this ad in here, and how do I how do I? Because like I'm decent with computers, but I'm not in like all that stuff. But Nick's like that's his like thing specialty. So they turned out decent last week, editing and ads and all that stuff. So it's happy with it, and now we're now we're back together again. Good stuff. We're back. We're ready. We're going to be hitting the ground running. There's going to be a lot of draft talk on this podcast the last two months of the season because well, I was gonna, I was this, week, say, like, this week is a uh, man. It's just, it's starting to get it. Well, like my dad's visiting right now and he came in for baby stuff. Has, oh, I did I say on the pod? Yeah, yeah, I said on yeah, the pod. Yeah, you did. I'm a solo we're having, one. We're having a boy. And uh, so, anyway, this past week we, uh, my, my wife has some friends. My dad's in right now, and we were watching the – we're putting together Ikea furniture today. Yeah. <laughs> Ikea, and, uh, the great marriage tester in America. In the living room, my dad and I are putting together that while we're watching Michigan State, and I'm – like, I got out a piece. I'm writing every single day for the NCAA tournament, covering it from a Mavs perspective. And he was like, why are you – why are you writing about the college? You do Maverick stuff. I'm like, listen, when you have like 20 wins on the season, all the fan base cares about is the draft right now. So, yep. so anyway, it was just kind of like where we've shifted. We're not, we, we're obviously watching the games. I've been watching the games. Nick watches the games. We're going to go to the games, still covering it and, you know, all that jazz. But everybody's focus right now is on the draft and rightfully so. Rightfully so. And uh, by the way, these weekend games that we didn't get to talk about, the Toronto loss in overtime uh, was an yeah. interesting game for sure. Toronto just sort of woke up and they were like, oh, yeah, we, we still have like, to play oh, teams we and need win. To win this one. Yeah. And then the Nets, uh, they outscored the Mavericks. The Mavericks lost to the Nets also yesterday or on, on Saturday. And uh, they outscored the Mavericks 26 to 17 in the fourth quarter. So just sort of a collapse by the Mavericks. But they didn't really play anybody in that game. Jalen Jones game. <laughs> Jalen Jones season. Um, and then we will we will talk about the uh, the weekend pods uh, later on this week. We don't have a ton of time today, but we wanted to get to our three takeaways from the NCAA tournament. So let's get to that. All right. My first takeaway, I'll just give you mine because I feel like some of ours are going to be similar. Isaac, everyone is gone. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this is like when you take the bus to school 
and then you take the bus back home and you are the last stop on the bus and it feels like you know the two guys from duke and michael bridges are the last guys left on the bus <laughs> Yeah, and they have the whole bus to themselves. Yeah, it kind of started off with, um, you know, with DeAndre Ayton and oh man, at Arizona in the Final Four, and well, Trey Young is the first one out, but that doesn't count for the Mavericks. But yeah, whatever. But uh, you know, it started with DeAndre Ayton for the most part, like the biggest like shocker. And I'm not gonna lie, okay, it's getting really annoying. I saw a bunch of tweets. Saw one tweet. Does this affect DeAndre Ayton's draft stock? <laughs> Not really. If you tweet that, please just get off Twitter. Delete your Twitter. <laughs> and Delete your account. It's just like, and you know, I tweeted something out about this, and, so, and this is actually one of my takeaways too. Listen, every single top prospect has a major flaw. They have question marks. That is part of it. So... It just got super annoying as the season, as this the past few days went along. It was okay. DeAndre Ayton gets bounced, so everyone on is on here is like, man. And somebody tweeted at me. You have to admit, DeAndre Ayton's like defense and being able to guard somebody. That's a serious problem. Well, you can say this about every single prospect. Like it's not something that you look at and say, you know what? I don't know if I can draft DeAndre Ayton. Like just go down the line. So like that's. It's been frustrating. Mo Bamba, I tweeted out that I love Mo Bamba, and I think my I think my love for Mo Bamba is starting to grow even farther. So I'm, <laughs> I might have to move him up a little bit. And like I tweeted out this gif of him getting a rebound flat footed, and seriously, please go watch that gif. It his seven foot nine wingspan, him getting this board over these dudes just flat footed, was ridiculous. But. <laughs> It's just like I tweeted out that I tweeted out I said, man, I'm all about Mo Bamba, and so never fails. Somebody tweeted, man, I've seen, I've just watched him get pushed around. I just don't know if I like him. Oh my gosh, please stop! Like you, just every prospect has something. So like, it's just a matter of it. Just that that gets really frustrating. And with all of them getting put in, put in, put out, even like Trey Young and different people, it was just it turned into this. Top prospects getting put out of the tournament, so let's start picking them apart for their weaknesses. And I'm like, it's like what me and you've said a thousand times. It's just a matter of who has the least amount of question marks, because they all have them. There's no Anthony Davis. There's it's not that's not a year like this. No matter. Don't give me no Luca crap. Luca's not Anthony Davis, so like he has his flaws too. So anyway, that's my frustration. So I just let out. Wow. Don't give me no Luca crap is probably the the name of this podcast. <laughs> don't do that because I, I like Luca. <laughs> Everybody thinks you hate him. I don't hate him. I don't hate him all. It's just people want to like act like he's the next, you know, Magic Johnson, LeBron mix, and it's like that's not it. Yeah, the the problem is with with the NCAA tournament. And I'm I'm totally, you know, I'm I'm completely uh, guilty of this as well. Is it's probably the only game that anybody will watch of these guys. So you watch DeAndre yeah. and you watch them lose, and you're like, oh man. That one flaw that he has was really, really big in that game. Well, yeah, they double-teamed him, and they took advantage of everything they can. You know, it's the NCAA tournament. They're going to try to take advantage of every single little weakness that you have as a team. And that team had so much going They had so much drama and distraction and all this stuff going on around them with their coach missed a game because they thought that, you know, their their, their best player was offered $100,000 or given $100,000. Can you imagine what that did in a locker room? Especially <laughs> – Especially if you're a different player and you got a different amount of money. 
<laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, he man, grand? like dang, he's 10 times worse than what I am. Like, you know, or, yeah. or, uh, like, you know, Kuzma, I think got like $2,000 or something. It'd be like, he's 50 times thousand, 50 times worse, worth what I am. <laughs> like, imagine what that would do to a locker room. Even, if, you know, whether it's true or not. I mean, that story is kind of crazy. We don't know if the Arizona paying DeAndre Ayton is true or not, but. My takeaway was just that, that everyone's gone. I mean, Aiton's gone. Michael Porter Jr. went out in a blaze of glory. Jaron Jackson went out last night. Um, Mo Bamba we'll was out. Mo, ba- Mo Bamba was out the first round. Jaron Jackson did not look good in that game. Very, very much. Wait, I wanted to tweet this out, but I don't. I don't want people to find these like old tweets whenever you know Mavericks end up with Jaron Jackson and everybody's like, "Oh, look at this tweet!" Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, "Where are all y'all Jaron Jackson people now?" Because I don't want to be the hater of Jaron Jackson, but all I've heard for three weeks is how he's like head and shoulders over all these other centers in the draft, and bro couldn't even find a minute towards the end of the game. Like, there's he. It kind of now. Okay, let's get into Jaron Jackson now because uh, let's pull up. Let's pull up his. Um, let's pull up his minutes. How many minutes he played today on Sunday? Well, because, if you're if you're gonna get into Jaron Jackson, he's the youngest player in the draft, and you're taking him as a developmental guy. You know, like he is gonna bring some stuff day one. But I think I think with all these guys, they're they're still super young. They're just coming in. They're not like sophomores or seniors or whatever that these coaches trust them down the stretch yet. Like that's something that we I watch in this tournament. And I'm like, man, this kid has been there what five months, four months, and this coach is going to trust him in the biggest moment of the of the year. It's it's kind of tough. And sometimes these guys are going to shrink to the moment. There's going to be a huge moment. They're going to be down, and it's almost like a quarterback not being able to, you know to protect a lead or not being able to, you know, come from behind. There's a lot of, of guys out there that you're like, okay, well, as soon as Blake Bortles goes down 10, he's not going to be able to come back, you know, guys like that. And so I think yeah. that a lot of times in the tournament, it's the biggest stage. You have a guy like that and he just doesn't, doesn't rise to it at all. Yeah. I mean, he played 15 minutes and here's, here's not a good I, sign I, at all, but no, like, and, and here's what I, I go to. It's kind of like Zach Collins for Gonzaga last year. Like Karnowski was their senior center, the yeah. big dude with the beard, played Carolina, you know, in the, in the finals and stuff, like or the championship. And Zach Collins came off the bench, but Zach Collins was the top prospect off the team. Right. Zach Collins was a lottery pick, you know, lottery pick. But if you've seen in the in the Gonzaga team, Zach Collins made his like impact on the game to where you couldn't take him off the court, and like there was. And this is Jaron Jackson's biggest flaw. He can't play defense without fouling. And I know, like, it might sound picky. And even I said on the Charks podcast, I'm like, hey, if that's his biggest, like, downfall, then I'm perfectly fine with it. And I am perfectly fine with Jaron Jackson. It's just his tidal wave over this past, like, three weeks has been, like, insane. And, like, for me, you can't convince him over, convince me of him over Mo Bamba right now. And that might make some people like really cringe, but yeah, that's, I don't know. It's just, he, he's going to have to take a lot more time than what some people might think he will. Yeah. And I think all these guys are going to take time. I think Aiton's going to take time. I think Bamba's going to take time. I think that some of them will take more longer than the others. Like Mo Bamba, Jaron Jackson, like they'll take, they'll take a lot more time. The guy that I'm about to talk about he won't take time. DeAndre Ayton, he'll take a little bit, but DeAndre Ayton's going to step in, and his first game in the NBA, he could probably get 18 and 12. 
Yeah. Defensively, though, it's for him, that's going to take – I mean, it took Towns three years to figure out defense, and he was good. And I think – didn't Chark say this on the podcast, or was it somebody else that said – Yeah, Chark said it. If, Kat, if, if Carl Anthony Towns took three years to get good at defense, how long is it going to take DeAndre Ayton, who's, who wasn't good at defense in college? So that, that's, yeah. the, that's the side of the ball that's going to take time. Uh, and, you know, whatever. I'd still take him over anybody but Luka at this point. But Well, yeah, it's, it's just like it's kind of like Charks and I got into this as far as like comparing like Ayton and Bamba, and he compared Ayton to Boogie Cousins. And yeah, that was interesting. Like, like that's what, you know, that's what you're getting. Like Boogie's not the best defender in the world at all. And so, like, some of the same stuff that Boogie gets exposed on, that's what Aiton's going to get exposed on. But you're going to get almost a, you know, a 20 and 10 all the time, like Boogie does. So that's the thing that, you know, give and take to where if you go with, like, a Bamba, would you rather have a Boogie Cousins type or would you rather have a Rudy Gobert type? That's the, like, decisions you have to make when you're building your team, you know? Yeah, and a lot of that depends on what kind of four you have or depends on oh, what, yeah, yeah. what type of four you're going to get. That's huge. Like that your point right there. I mean that that just that's huge of who you put next to that five man. But can I go so can I say my my next takeaway? Oh yeah. Michael Bridges. The yeah. the dude. Can I love him. And it's 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 growing. In his second half against Alabama. Wow. I mean, the dude finished with twenty three points, went five from eight from three, and these weren't just like Spot up threes. They were these were like some of them were like off balance threes, like in people's face. Took sixteen shots, which you know a lot of people. I know Jalen Brunson. He got in foul trouble at the beginning of the game, but you know he led the team in shot attempts. Some of the biggest critiques against Michael Bridges' game is he's not aggressive enough. He's not as see Laker doesn't like his game. Lakers upset because Bridges is not going to be a Laker. We know. It's okay. Man, every time somebody walks by our apartment window, he just like freaks out. <laughs> Does not like Michael Bridges at all apparently. Um so but anyway, I I was this was the biggest second round matchup that I was looking forward to going into the whole weekend was Michael Bridges versus Colin Sexton. They even got into it, a little chirping at the end of the game. Well, Colin Sexton got teed teed up. And, you know, Alabama was going to lose anyway. But, like, Sexton had a big-time game, too. And I love him. I like him better than Trey Young. But I think if Alabama had lost and he didn't get a technical, I feel like that would have been a – that would have lowered his draft stock. <laughs> yeah. He had a great uh, – I tweeted out today. Uh, he had a great answer after the game about – That was – I saw so. that. That was great. He was asked about whether you're going to go to the tournament or whether you're going to go to the draft. And he was just like, you know – I'm just focused right now on my team and finishing school and trying to get that 4.0. <laughs> but uh, man, Michael Bridges, I I love the guy. I could, yeah, I don't want to bring out any like really hot, spicy takes right now. But you can though. No, no, I'm gonna keep them. Yeah, but nobody's pocket. gonna hold it against you. Of, We're not gonna remember how high this. I would take Michael Bridges. But uh, Mavs fans, just it's okay if we are pick seven. Yeah, because he is the seventh prospect. Like he is, don't don't come at me about Wendell Carter over him, please. I don't don't do that. He is the seventh prospect, so any of those top seven, I'm happy with. I have some preferences, but any of the top seven, don't freak out because there's people right now saying, "Oh my gosh, what if we land at seven? Who do we take? We're not going to get one of those guys." I'm 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 confident in Michael Bridges, and especially his fit next to Dennis Smith Jr. Love it. Yeah, my my other takeaway is that I think. 
Yeah, like you said, I think there are seven to eight guys. And so even if even if the Mavericks end up, you know, six, seven, eight, they're gonna get a solid NBA they're gonna get a solid future player. This is not I don't think this is a draft like the uh the two thousand thirteen draft where there's like there's you don't even know who the number one is. <laughs> you know, where we like have no idea who's the, the uh you know, the, where the tiers are and, and stuff like that. I feel like this you're gonna get a good player. It just depends on how good of a player, how high their ceiling is. I think depending on on how high you get in the draft, but that was my takeaway: is that you know with, with Michael Bridges now really stepping in and really being a he's definitely a top ten guy. Definitely, uh, he's probably going to last. I mean, he's probably going to last the longest. You know, not jinxing him, but of all these prospects, and they could very well meet up with Duke in the Final Four. But I mean, just watch if you get a chance to watch Villanova. Just just look at him physically. Look at his wingspan. Look how long his yeah. arms is. And the you know the Duke can guard one through three. He's guarding Sexton at times with that long wingspan. With Dennis Smith Jr., he would just be the perfect super upgrade of Wesley Matthews, more athletic Wesley Matthews, and that would just be. And he, I mean, he could shoot the lights out. Chark said, you know, he's he's just as an elite of a shooting prospect as like Larry Markin and some of these guys coming out of college. And defensively, it's, it has a crazy upside. So I can't sell Mavs fans enough on Michael Bridges. Yeah, he's definitely he's rising up the boards for me as well. Just just you know, seeing how good of a shooter he is, and thinking about this team a lot, thinking about what this team is is gonna need, and uh, looking at some of these guys like like they just need a really knockdown shooter next to Dennis. You know, you, you can't have two guys that are, are eh, they're like okay shooters. You know, because Dennis yeah. is right now he's he's a bad shooter right now. He's probably gonna be about an okay to average shooter. He could you know could eventually be an above average shooter, but you know. If, Right now, it doesn't really look that great. <laughs> he's gonna—he's just got a lot of a lot of work and a lot of time ahead of him uh, to do that. Uh, my other takeaway, uh, my last takeaway was uh, we still got some guys. We still got Michael Bridges still to watch, like you said. We still have uh, Bagley and Wendell Carter. Those are two guys that I'm I'm very split on. Um, I just I'm I not don't... I'm not as high on Wendell Carter than most. Yeah, and I'm not as high on, on Marvin Bagley. I just I. Don't know about him, and so those are I'm two definitely guys. Definitely hired Bagley. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> those are two guys I'm definitely still watching. That's another takeaway: is that even though it seems like everybody's gone, there's still you know ways that you can watch these guys, uh, Duke and uh, and Villanova. They'll probably last a while because we've had a bunch of upsets, and so now these these teams that have you know taken care of business pretty much are going to continue to take care of business. Yeah, and. Trying to think, uh, you know, keep an eye on. I was to say, like other second, like a second round prospects and stuff to look at if you're a Mavs fan. You know, like we don't like him, but like Grayson Allen, or at least you know, obviously I'm not a big Duke fan, but he looks like to be a second round pick. You look at even you know Robert Williams, and then <sighs> beat Carolina today, uh, but he won't be a second round pick. He'll be a lottery pick. But let's say Dallas goes on a crazy win streak at the end of this month and ends like nine or 10, you know, I could see him getting love from the Mavericks at a nine or 10 spot. Uh, I don't think they will, but anyway, that's something to watch. I'll give my last takeaway and I'm, I'm all positive, you know, but there's one that I'm starting to turn a little bit on and I hate, I hate it. I'm officially worried about Michael Porter jr. And yeah, I think it's a legit decision he has to make 
whether to come out or not. And I, I tweeted it out. A lot of people came at me and said, nah, he's got to come out. He's got to come out. Here's the thing. He has a lot of ground to make up as far as proving to franchises that he is pre-injury Michael Porter Jr. Because I watched a decent amount of high school stuff on him. Definitely watched the Michael, I mean, Michael, the McDonald's All-American game. That Michael Porter Jr. is like in contention with the top overall pick in the draft, Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. This past two games, which I've watched all of them from beginning to the end, that's that's not him. <laughs> that's not him. And I mean, you he doesn't have his legs, he doesn't have his explosiveness, his decision making, like there is you saw just tiny, tiny glimpses of him like driving through the paint and six ten body, stuff like that. But for where he's at now, like I have to drop him in my board some. And if he like he just it just I wasn't that worried before because I just thought that during this whole time they were being like extra cautious to when he did come back, he would be completely fine, all this stuff. Now I'll give it to them. I give it to him for playing. Like playing that man nine out of ten top prospects like him that could be drafted in the top five to eight picks, they're not even stepping on the court this season after that injury. They're not even playing. This dude's out here busting his butt. He's obviously not a hundred percent. And the dude was like crying after he got put out. And like I he, like I mean, I was like a fan, but I was like, you just I felt for him. Like I that was like major brownie points as far as <laughs> that's cool that you you feel that, you know, that he couldn't help his team like that. It's just his pre there's I don't think there's enough that you can say about pre draft workouts in between now and June for him because he's got a long ways to go. And I'm I'm really intrigued of how NBA teams will treat him with how he looked in those two games, which was not good at all. Like not just missing shots, like not even remotely the same player. And so like what what do teams do? Like, I mean, it wouldn't shock me at all if he fell to like 10, 12. I mean, it sounds crazy, but it's like if you get you get the right teams up through there and they need point guards, they need like a Colin Sexton or a Trey Young, or they're looking at him, they're like, hey, weird Michael Car- Michael Porter Jr. with this you know, back injury that didn't look good or like Wendell Carter, somebody sitting at like 10, you know, pick 10 and they're like, Oh, we'll go with the safer pick and Carter. Like you might not have a team that, especially if he doesn't look anywhere near better than what he does now in pre-draft workouts. I'm just, it, it hurts to say this because I think he would be a good fit in Dallas. It's just, I'm, I, I'm worried about him. And I don't, yeah. I don't think you can possibly, no matter what podcast you listen to, uh, pre or draft people or whatever, nobody can give you any insight or info on where Michael Porter Jr. can go because you just, it's impossible right now. I mean, he's just not the same player at all. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's so tough. And we'll end on this. I think that there are enough teams in that range that need to swing for the fences, that need to swing really big and need to get it in a high upside guy. I think that you know Atlanta, Orlando, Sacramento, you know, th- those three teams I think are are so desperate that I think that they won't he won't fall past you know all those all those teams. Like one of them will take him because they've all seen him, they've all seen a lot, and they know that you know that, that I don't know if they take these games like as this is what he's going to be. They probably take it with a grain of salt. I think he wanted to come back as soon as he was able to. I don't think they 
Yeah. In my opinion, I don't think that they they played it safe at all. I think they just were like, all right, as soon as he's cleared for five on, you know, cleared for five on five, he he's going to go out there and play it because I think he wanted to, and you could you could tell by the way that he, you know, responded by losing the other day. So, yeah, it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really interesting. There are a lot of like, this he is, won't be two on my big board this week. Yeah. Just forewarning, he he will drop. I will. It's at, it's at right now. Just seeing what we've seen, different stuff like that. If they, if the Mavericks picked him at three, four, whatever, over, if they picked him over a, a Jaron Jackson, or in my opinion, Jaron Jackson, Mo Bamba, um, whatever, at this point, I would be really, really worried. The question that was tweeted to me, and I, I refused to answer, is who would you take right now, him or Michael Bridges? Yeah. And it's more of a discussion than I would have ever thought it would be. That sounds insane when you say that. It sounds insane, but it's it right now until you get proved otherwise. Like and considering the back injury is there as for a nineteen year old, like it's And and the fact that Bridges would be a much better fit with Barnes and Dennis. If you think about it that way as well. I you just, broke I up. Did you say Barnes? I said that he's a much better fit with Barnes and Dennis. If you yes, if you're considering Barnes for sure, Bridges is perfect in between Barnes and Dennis. Porter you'd still make it work for a talent like Porter if he's healthy. But like, yeah, that's why the Bridges Porter Junior sounds crazy. But yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't answer that on Twitter because that's something people like hold you <laughs> against you. You know, when Porter's like you a ten time All Star, yeah, you get screenshotted. Ago. Yeah, but uh, but no, I think uh, yeah, I'm oh no, I'm not. I'm gonna leave it alone. I like Bridges a lot. We'll leave it alone, but we'll probably talk about it tomorrow. Guys, thank you so much for listening to Locked On Mavericks. Again, we are back every single day this week. We will be bringing you podcasts talking about the the Dallas Mavericks. So thank you so much for listening. Again, you can follow me at Nick Van Exit. You can follow Isaac at Isaac L. Harris. We will be bringing you Mavericks coverage all this week, and Isaac will bring you that NCAA tournament coverage. Peace out. Boom.